0: It is, a, it is an honor truly for me to be here with you guys this morning, um, to be a part of what God's doing down here. I am blown away when I walk into here because there's so much that you guys are doing that is so much better than what we're doing uh, in Bedford, Virginia, which is weird to say because we are um, the grandmother church for Bedrock Sarasota. So when, when your grandchildren are doing stuff better than, than you do, right, when they have nicer stuff and you're like, how did you do that? Can, how does this phone work and the Instabook and the Facegrams and the I just feel like that guy, you know? You guys are doing great, and we're so very, very proud of you. I give you greetings from uh, all of the churches in the Bedrock Network that just want to say we're so glad that you're a part of the family and to see what God's doing uh, here in Sarasota, Florida, and uh, could not be more excited to be a part of it today. And so Blake gave me the challenge of finishing up this series, and so I'm honored to do that uh, to talk about when church leaders fail, So we're gonna be spending some time this morning in John chapter 21. So be finding John chapter 21. If you got a Bible, uh, open it up. If you got a phone, tablet, wherever it is where you see the word of God, uh, I want you to get that out because I want you to see God's words today and and not mine for sure. So while you're finding it, um, I asked Jonathan already if I could use his keyboard. So um, I would like to begin the sermon this morning by playing you a little bit of Beethoven, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this guy named Beethoven. Um, I don't know if he's on Spotify, but he's a he was a really good artist back in the day. Okay, <laughs> and so um, I'm going to play a little Beethoven for you today. Let me make sure this thing. All right, here we go. <clears throat> are you ready? Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay, hold on. Hold on. One second. I'm almost there. Let me get my fingers warmed up a little bit. I'm new. It's fresh. It's early in the morning. Here we go. One more time. Here we go. Uh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Apparently the keyboard's a little broken. Can we tweak this a little bit? Okay, here we go. I'm gonna try this again. If you guys could fix that in the back, it'd be great. Here we go. All right, tell you what. Let's just be done with that illustration altogether because yikes. Some of you right now are like, Please, please stop playing the piano. I beg you, just stop. Like, I don't know what you're doing. Just stop, right? Because you are butchering Fiora Elise by Beethoven. Here's my question for you this morning. I just, I don't know what that was, but it was something like it. With what just happened, do you blame me or do you blame Beethoven? Yeah, yeah. As you should, right? Let's just be honest. There have been leaders that have tried to play Jesus. And they messed it up. Did we point the finger at the church? At Jesus? If we're honest, sometimes we do. If that's what Jesus' people do, then I want no part of that. God may be a relevant conversation in your life, but I don't wanna talk about church. Why? Because of this pastor, this deacon, this leader, and she said, and he did, and, and we tend to look poorly at the creator because some people messed up playing it. This morning, we need to take a look at that idea to find that idea here in scripture, we're gonna look at a leader that messed it up. And Jesus has a one-on-one conversation with that guy and we're gonna learn a lot from it. So it's in John chapter 21, Jesus is having a conversation with this guy named Peter. Okay, Peter, great leader, messed it up. By the way, more than just once, Peter was that guy. We'll talk more about it in just a second. But Peter had messed it up. Peter had failed. And Jesus comes to Peter and has this conversation. John chapter 21, beginning in uh, verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Let's make a mental note of that. Do you love me? Do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, then tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, then feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. And when you're old, you're going to stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back against him during the supper had said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, but what about this guy? Jesus said to him, if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. A lot in this passage for leaders, for the church, for every one of us in this room, me included. So before we dive into the the details of this passage, will you join me as we pause for just a moment and let's pray together. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is perfect. It is true in all that it says, and it is trustworthy. And so because it's true and trustworthy, it should carry some weight in my life. It's sufficient for what we need today and very relevant as the day it was written. God, how do we learn from this? Holy Spirit, the same one that that carried along the writers of this word, would you carry us today and help us to understand these words and apply them to our lives today? God, move in this place, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. There's only two things we wanna talk about this morning, and it's the two phrases that we see highlighted in that passage. The first question is, do you love me? He comes to Peter and says, do you love me? Yes or no? Like we we have to handle this. It's very simple, straightforward. The answer is a little complicated, but the question seems simple. Do you love me? So let's take each part of that very simple question, but let's break it down. We're, we're very good in the church at making simple things complicated. So let me try to not make something very, very simple and complicated, but let's take a look at each piece. He says, do you love me? Who's he talking about? Go back to our passage. Jesus says to him, to Simon Peter, right? So when Jesus walks up and says, Simon Peter, right? If you're a parent in here or a grandparent or you have parents, you understand the difference that when your mom and dad call you by your first name, when they call you by your full name, right? We all, we all get that. I'm Christopher John. And when mom would say, Christopher John Dowd, I'm like, oh, here we go, right? So he comes to him and says, Simon Peter. And just in case there was confusion about who he was talking to, just if Peter was like, Simon, I mean, Is there a, there's another, anybody else call Simon in here? Like you talking to, okay, Simon, Peter, son of John. Okay. So like me, yeah, you, no confusion, Simon, Peter, son of John. There's nobody else here that fits that description, but you, do you Simon, Peter, son of John, do you love me? That's the question. It's a big question for Peter because as we've talked about and Blake and I talked about years ago, this is a basic hermeneutical principle, hermeneutics 101. The key to understanding any passage of scripture, there's three steps. You ready for them? Here you go. Liberty College lesson happening. Three steps. Ready? Context, context, and context. Like it's a big deal. The story behind the story. Like, we, if, we, if this is all you've read, then you don't know any context behind who Peter is. Well, let me tell you, Peter was called to follow Jesus. And three years ago, he did just that. Walked, talked, lived with Jesus for three years. And Peter became kind of this leader amongst this group of 12. He's kind of the guy. Outspoken, loud. The guy that jumps first, thinks second, third, or fifth. I don't, who don't know, knows, he just jumps. He's that guy, right? In fact... He was the guy that was all um, flexing on the rest of them and said, Jesus, I don't know about the rest of these guys, but I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will die with you. And Jesus says, actually, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. No, I will never do that. Well, they come to arrest Jesus and take him away, and all 12 of the boys scatter. They gone. And Peter finds himself around this fire warming himself, and they're like, hey, hey. Yeah. aren't you Simon Peter, the son of John, the guy? Aren't you the Jesus guy? Aren't you one of those weird Jesus people? And he goes, no, 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 no. You got the wrong dude because apparently you take those kinds of people, you arrest them, and you beat them. I'm out. That looks difficult if I say yes. I'm going to say no. Okay. Sure enough, three times. Look at this passage in John chapter 18. We find our Simon Peter, son of John, and this is what it says. Simon Peter was standing and warming himself by a fire. They said to him, are you also? Like, aren't you one of those disciples? No, Mm -mm. not me, you got the wrong person. Well, one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, did I fail to mention that part of the story as well? Yeah, they came to arrest Jesus and Peter's flexing, Peter's being Peter. And he's like, you ain't taking my Jesus. And he just grabs a sword and just starts hacking right? And in, in, in this maneuver, a dude's ear gets chopped off, right? I, like that is, first of all, you think he's bold, but goodness gracious, like all you caught was an ear with a sword? <laughs> like that's not, you don't plan that. I'm just going to go for the ear and check this out. Like right? I don't, I don't know what he, but we got an ear and Jesus in the moment is like, okay, Peter, Peter. Alright, mm, hold on. I'm so sorry. Picks up the ear. This is legit. Puts it on the dude's head, heals it, and is like, I'm so sorry. He's Peter. Like we all get it. I I apologize. He's that guy. All right. Up, here's your ear. I up, up. What is wrong with you? Be chopping off ears. Aren't you that Peter? Aren't you the, the ear chopper guy? No. 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 And the moment he said no, the rooster crowed three times. Roosters are crowing all over our country today because there are leaders who are getting it wrong. In their zeal, they're swinging and missing. They would rather easy paths than hard paths. And in the press, they leave. And they make poor choices that lead to horrible consequences and ripple effects that impacts you and I sitting here today. And now in this moment, Jesus comes to Peter because Peter proved that he was human. And sometimes leaders prove that they're human and that they're not perfect. And we are impacted by that. So he comes to Peter and says, do you love me? Simon Peter, son of John. And I know everything that happened and I'm asking you a question. Yes or no? Do you love me? So we know the you is Peter and now we know why. But he says to Peter, do you love me? Well, that's a big word. Not some mystical thing that you make movies out of and write books and Maybe you, some of you know that that word translated love could be a couple different words in the original language. There's phileo love, which is that brotherly friend kind of love. It's where we get the, the term Philadelphia, the city of Philadelphia. It's the city of brotherly love. It's that phileo love. There's eros love, where we get erotic kind of love. And then there's this word agape love, which is a perfect, unconditional all-in kind of love. What's interesting in this passage is the words that are used. So let me, let me run back through the conversation using those words. Jesus says to Peter, Peter, Simon Peter, son of John, do you agape me? Peter responds by saying, Jesus, come on, man, you know I phileo love you. That's not what I asked. I asked, "Did you? Did, are you all in with me? Come on, Jesus, you know, come on, we, you're my boy. Jesus is like, I, I'm sorry, I, I didn't ask you if you like me. I didn't ask you if you're flirting with me. I didn't ask you if we're just kind of seeing what happens. We're at commitment level. Are you in? Do you agape? Come on, man, stop messing. You know I love you. All right, I'm going to ask you a second time. Do you agape me? Stop. Come here. And he, and he, he brings in the same thing that, that Blake and I just did, right? The, the one hand, this is the guy hug. You ready for this? One hand, bring it in, hand around the back, one pat, okay? You go three pats, I don't know. You rub, that's a, yeah, that's, here's what you do. Boom, bring it in, boom, right? And then, and then, then you're out, then you're done, right? Jesus says, do you agape all in love me? Come, come here, Jesus, boom, my guy. Jesus, the third time says, okay, do you phileo love me? And then the passage says, it grieved Peter when he asked him the third time. Now, some would say because he denied him three times, Jesus asked him three times. And that's certainly relevant and could be what's happening here. And the third question reminded him of his third denial and it caused him grief. But I also wonder if hearing the word phileo caused a little bit of sadness as well. Because Peter has to admit, I'm having a hard time, Jesus, loving you perfectly. I've messed it up. I would love to be able to say that I love you perfectly, Jesus, but I'm having a hard time loving you perfectly. I failed. I denied you three times. So I I can say this maybe. And Jesus says, I know you struggle to love me perfectly, but I'm asking you to be all in. Do you, Simon Peter, son of John, do you love Are you all in agape with what? With me, Jesus. Do you all in with Jesus? Yes or no? What's interesting is in the passage, it says, do you love me? The first time he asks them more than these. And there's a lot of conversations about what these were. And it could be a lot of different things. You see, Peter was a fisherman. When Jesus found him, he was fishing. When he was um, in grief and sorrow because he denied Jesus and then Jesus suffered, bled, died on the cross, was buried for three days, and now he is risen from the grave. But Peter's still struggling with this denial piece. And so Peter goes back to fishing. He says, I'm just going to do what I know to do. I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to go back on a boat and catch fish. They catch fish and come back and there's Jesus ready to have fish biscuits on the beach, which would be amazing. And he's already got it cooking up. And Peter, come here for a second. I got some fish biscuits. Sit down for a second. We're going going to chat. Do you love me? Do you love me more than these? So was he talking about the fish? Do you love me more than all these things flopping on the ground right now and those nets and that. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than, than your identity, what you find identity in? Do you love me more than what you feel like is going to be security for you? Do you love me more than what your escape is? Do you love me more than a hobby? Do you love me more than whatever this is? Do you love me more than this? Maybe he was pointing to the boys cause he, he had a couple boys that went with him. Peter's in a bad place and he has good friends. He's like, I'm going to go fishing. And some of the boys are like, well, we're going to come with you. We're going to come fishing with you, man. Well, well, let's, let's do this. So maybe he was pointing to them and saying, well, do you love me more than these guys? Maybe he was saying, do you love me more than these love me? Do you love me? Maybe he was saying more than these denials, your failures. Can we have a conversation about the multiple times you have dropped the ball? Do you love me? Jesus. Can I ask you that question this morning? I mean, before you go any further, the most important thing that we might have is this moment right now. Can I ask you a question? If you were standing here today and asked you that same question, what would you say? Do you love Jesus? Not just dating Jesus, not just friends with Jesus. Do you love him more than whatever else you're chasing right now? The commentators, you know, discuss what these meant. I don't know what these means for you. Do you love Jesus more than you fill in the blank? What is it you're chasing right now? What is it you're passionate about? What is it that you feel like identifies you? What is it that you feel like is who you are? Do you love Jesus more than that thing, that title, that position, that relationship, that Because it's all in. And here's how genuine salvation happens. Aren't you glad to know that Jesus was all in when he loved you enough to die for you? God said he loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him, that's any of us, wouldn't perish but have everlasting life because Jesus didn't just suffer. He wasn't just beaten. He didn't just bleed. He died fully, 100%, buried in a grave, and then 100% fully bodily rose from the grave that you and I could have victory. And the way that we have victory is by placing our faith and trust in him as Savior and Lord. That means all in. Lordship means 100% of me. Not 90%, not 95%, not 99%. Do you love Jesus or are you just dating him this morning? And that's why you came here. It's very possible. Then in God bringing you here, it was to hear this message. God loves you 100%. And he died for you. And if you'll surrender fully to him, he'll save you, rescue you, redeem you. Do you love Jesus? He comes to Peter and says, do you love me? Peter says, man, you know I do. Then Jesus says, then feed sheep. Why would he say that? I think it's very simple. Because you love what Jesus loves, is what he says. If you love me, then you'll love what I love. Well, what do you love? I really love my sheep. My wife is here and my son is here, Jesse and Jonathan, and I love my wife. Listen to me. I am agape, all in love with my wife. I am not phileo. What's up, Jesse? Man, good to see you. Man, looking good today. Let's go get it, right? That's, I better be all in or it's going to be a long week for us, right? Beach or not, it's going to be a long week. I'm all in. So what that also means is I need to kind of love what she loves. I learned early on in our dating relationship that she loves Jane Austen novels and movies. Oh. And there's a bunch of movies out there and apparently a bunch of different versions of said movies. Like, do we really need three versions of Pride and Prejudice? And one of them apparently has zombies in it. I mean, you're just like, what? I don't. I mean, it sounds more exciting. Maybe we can watch the zombie one. I don't know. When to. But I love her, so let's get the popcorn out. I'm sitting on the couch, watching Jane Austen. Like this is amazing, and I'm pretending to wipe away a tear or something. I don't like how. How can I make this more enjoyable for you? She's loving it. I am trying to not sleep. Like this is. Sacrificially loving my wife, as the Bible says, like Christ loves the church. I'm supposed to love her like Jesus loves the church. He says to Peter, do you love me? Yes, then take care of my church. And there are people that have gotten this wrong. They're supposed to be feeding sheep. They're supposed to love what Jesus loves if they love Jesus. What begins to happen the moment you get in These lights and a really cool microphone that wraps around your face like this, and a platform and a podium and people, you start to think you're something. And at some point, it stops being about Jesus and the kingdom a little bit, a little bit about you. And can I get a little bit of that glory? Can I get a little bit of that credit? Can I get a little bit of that? what happens is they fall out of love with Jesus and fall a little bit more in love with me. And the me God takes over. Pride and ego, listen to me, pride is a beast. There's a reason why we see in the Old Testament King Nebuchadnezzar being driven on all fours eating grass like an animal because of his pride. Pride is a beast, that's the imagery there. And God in his grace will move in such a way As to humble you. Let me tell you this. You would much rather humble yourself before Almighty God than have him do it for you. They got it wrong. They started feeding the me beast and not Jesus. So he comes to Peter after failing and says, do you love me? Yes or no? Are we going to be about Peter moving forward and Peter's protection? and position, and title, and glory, or are we going to be about Jesus? Because I'm leaving. We got to straighten this out before I ascend. Where are you at? The second point, and the only logical next step, is when he says to him, do you love me? The second point is, then you follow me. Do you love me? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Then you follow me. After he says this, he says, well, Peter, here's the deal, man. I uh, love you, and I'm, I'm glad that you love me. Um, they're going to take you at some point where you don't want to go and dress you with what you don't want to wear, and they're going to stretch out your hands, thus signifying the way he was going to glorify God through his death. He would be crucified upside down as a martyr. Well, this doesn't sit well with our boy, right? Uh, if God right now showed you what's coming and you were like, oh, I don't know if I, you know, Peter, here's what's coming. There's going to come a day when this is going to happen. You're going to die, but it's going to be for the glory of God. And Peter's like, oh, yeah, it sounds awesome. Sweet. Um, Looks around, and there's John, the one Jesus loves. Right? And it says he's following, right? So Peter and Jesus have had one-on-one fish biscuits on the beach. And here comes John. And Peter's like... Uh, All right, hey, Jesus, what about that dude? What about beloved boy back here? (laughs) Jesus says, I'm sorry. If it's my plan that he never dies, if it's my will that he remains until I come back, a.k.a. you're going to die, if it's my plan that he doesn't, What does that have to do with you? You follow me. Do you love me? Yes. Okay. Then you follow me. Again, don't want to make it complicated, but let's break down the phrase again. You, Simon Peter, son of John. It's really easy for Peter to go, yeah, but what about that guy? And point the finger. This is an old preacher sermon illustration. Whenever you're pointing one finger, you've got three pointing back at you, right? What about this dude? Yeah, but you got one, two, three. Yeah, but what about, nah, we're not, what about about that guy? So we do this, because we don't like this, right? What about that dude? Well, what's that got to, let's talk about you. We're talking about you. Not the person next to you. Not the person in front of you right now. Not the person behind you. Some of you right now are like, I hope you are listening to this message right now. No, I'm not. I'm talking to you. Mm-hmm. I hope they watch later on online. I hope they do too, but we're talking about you right now. You. The Holy Spirit right now has that finger going. He's talking about you. Right. Hearts beating a little faster. You. What? What about me? Okay, fine. You got my attention. What? You follow. What does that word mean? It's a beautiful word. It's a combo word. It's got a preposition, A, which means together, with, followed by a a big word that means to, to go away, to journey. So when it says follow, it means like away together, to journey together, to go with. Will you come away with me? Let's let's journey together. Come on, you mean you. Right here. I I want you to know. Eighty-six times this word for follow is used in the New Testament. 75 of them are found in the Gospels. It's directly related to you and I following Jesus or not following Jesus. Most notably we see this word when Peter was called. Peter knows this word. He's heard it before. You see, three years ago, Peter was fishing, family business, doing what they do, making money, taking care of family, do what you got to do, catching fish, fixing nets. Jesus is passing by and says, hey, you guys, follow me. Come away with me. Journey with me. And in that moment, it says that Peter, it says literally he dropped the nets and all that they were doing and followed Jesus. You know how hard that must have been for him to take what was in their hands that represented a whole lot more and, and you know what those things might represent for you. And he, it says they left everything and followed Jesus. Now he's messed up and Jesus comes back to it again and says, okay, listen to me. Remember when I said follow me and you said yes? Here we are again. Come away together. Yeah, but you're leaving. Oh, no, 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 listen to me. I'm going to be with you even to the ends of the earth. I'm going to send my helper, the Holy Spirit, to be with you. I want you to understand something this morning. I I know that when we say church hurt, that word carries weight. That's not just some fluffy word we use. There's emotions involved. And I want you to know that what I'm about to ask you to do is not something I need you to do in your own strength. You can only do this by the help of the Holy Spirit within you. This is a Jesus walking with you through what you're going through, what you're experienced, what you're feeling, all the emotions that this message is bringing up in your mind right now, the faces that are popping up in your mind and those stories and those family members and those friends and that church and those leaders and all that stuff is happening. I need you to understand something. Jesus wants to come away out of and walk with you when he says follow. Follow who? Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Yes. Then you follow Jesus. This is really the biggest point of the message as it relates to church hurt and leaders is who is it that we've got our eyes on? Who is it that we're following? If it's not Jesus, then when that leader fails and he will because or she will because we're not perfect we begin to lose hope, right? But if I follow Jesus, then my eyes are in a different place. Let me give you an example. We are preaching um, your, your grandmother church. This is so weird for me. Grandma's preaching this back home right now, okay? In Bedford, Virginia, right? Little old Bedford. We just finished a series uh, in Acts 1 and 2 on the birth of the church. And in Acts chapter 2, this same Peter, after this moment, By the way, after this moment, Jesus ascends and the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. And in this moment, he remembers, I'm supposed to love Jesus and follow Jesus. What did he say to do? Feed my sheep. And here comes my moment. And Peter steps up and preaches in Acts chapter two at Pentecost, okay? Big moment for Peter. Would not have been there if it were not for fish biscuits on the breakfast, on the beach, okay? Jesus knows this, he's getting him ready. He steps up and he preaches. And in his sermon, he says this, look what he says. He says, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, right? This passage that he both died and was buried and is in the tomb with us to this day. Now you guys remember David? Have you ever heard Bible stories about David and David and Goliath and a stone and giants fallen and this guy that wrote a lot of these Psalms and this king and greatest king. And in that context, in Acts chapter two, very large Jewish context, they would have clearly identified with David. Oh, we love David. David's our favorite. He was the best, greatest king of all time. How many of you know David messed up? Big time. David? Yeah, David. The king. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Absolute power corrupts absolutely every time. He's in the wrong place at the wrong time doing what he shouldn't be doing, and there's Bathsheba, right? But still, David repents, man after God's own heart. Man, we love King David, the greatest of all time. We sing songs about David. It's amazing. Peter says, y'all remember David, right? Yeah! He says, let me just remind you, he's dead. He He gone. Dead, buried. In fact, he's in that tomb right there. We all know it. David, king, being a prophet, knowing that God had sworn an oath to him that he would send one of his descendants to be on the throne, foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption like David's is rotten over there in that hole, this Jesus, God raised up and we are all witnesses. So Peter's like, I'm gonna tell you, if David's the greatest king of all time, he gone, dead, buried, rotting, flesh corrupted. Jesus rose from the grave. I don't know about you, but if I have to choose between following David or Jesus, I'm choosing the one that called his shot and pulled it off. Peter's making sure our eyes get fixed on Jesus, you follow me. I found that um, you, if you love someone, you love what they love. And then with this point, I found that you, you tend to follow what you love. Go to your social media accounts and look at what you're following. You probably love that stuff because you want that stuff to pop up on your feed because you love it, Right? I think I can say this down here. I think I'm in friendly territory. I'm not sure, but I really, really love the Atlanta Braves. Okay. They do spring training down here. So I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I I figured I'd start with that one because I'd still be able to continue this next one. I'm not so sure. I also love the Virginia Tech Hokies. So as as far as, listen, as far as college athletics go, uh, you tend to love where you grew up. I grew up in the southwestern part of Virginia, the closest school to us was Virginia Tech, so I grew up a hokey. I'm a Hokie. If I'd have grown up somewhere else, I'd probably still be a Hokie, but that doesn't matter. That's, and now I'm at Liberty University, graduated from there. Now I have the honor and privilege of working there and serving students there, and I love Liberty Athletics, so I follow, like you, you tend to follow what you love. The question is, who are you following? We're supposed to be following... Jesus, I love Blake, love Blake and Kelsey. Here's what I love about Blake. Um, Blake doesn't look like me. I don't need an amen from you, Kelsey, right now. This is not the moment. You see, we can get guilty in this moment because the Bible says go make disciples. That's what I'm doing. I'm here. I'm making disciples. We're supposed to be making disciples of Jesus, not disciples of me. I don't need you to look like me. I don't need you to look like Bedrock. I want you to look like Jesus. And I'm grateful that your pastor doesn't look like Chris Dowd, even though I've been a mentor for 12 years. I'm grateful that he looks more like Jesus than he does like me. Because that's the goal. We follow Jesus. And if you're here today, because he's so awesome and he is, if you're here today saying, well, I like Jesus, but I really love Blake. That's dangerous. That's dangerous because we're going to get some things wrong from time to time. Again, no comments from Kelsey on how many times <laughs> we get things wrong sometimes, which is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, this is my definition of, of leadership. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 verse one, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Follow me as I follow Jesus. If you can't say that, you shouldn't lead. If I'm not following Jesus, then why on earth would you want to? If I can't say follow me as I'm following Jesus, then I shouldn't be here. Now, nobody does it perfectly. We struggle with our flesh and our spirit. What I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I do. Wretched man that I am. Same guy. Paul also said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. If I had time, I'd share my testimony. And if if you knew me from back in the day, you might be like, why is this dude in the pulpit? A lot of grace. A lot of grace. I found that if I place my hope in anything that changes, when it changes, not if, then I lose hope. So I choose to place my faith in something that never changes. Well, good luck finding that. I found one. What is it? Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Then you follow Jesus. And I love what he loves. You know what he loves? He loves the church. So I can be hurt by other people and leaders who fail. But I choose to love what Jesus loves because I'm following him and not that guy, that girl. You know, we start off with Beethoven and I promise I'm not going back behind the piano (laughs) again. I was talking to Jonathan and he came up to me after the service last night. I'd never heard this story. That was a great story. So I thought we'd bookend the message with this. That's what he said. He said that that song is called For Elise. Okay, that's just what it means. Because apparently he was dating this girl named Elise. And Beethoven had some, you know, some moves. Like, I write music, so <clears throat> I'm going to write a song for Elise. There you go. And she wanted to learn how to play the piano. And he's like, well, yeah, there's plenty of room right here on this uh, piano bench. You come back, come back, come back, come back. I'm going to play the left hand. You play the right hand. Let me, let me teach you how it starts. Okay? And so the, be- the song begins very easy. Easy enough for me to have learned it in just a second, right? Oh, that's uh, you're really good at this. Oh, am I? Oh, yeah, good. He's working, Beethoven. Okay, he had game. But then all of a sudden, Elise decides to break his heart and dump him. So, in order to make sure that Elise couldn't learn the rest of the song, from that moment on, it gets extremely complicated. Ah. Huh. For Elise, I got for Elise. La 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 la, la right? Good luck <laughs> playing that one. Okay, Beethoven, okay, all right, I see you, right? How many of you know Beethoven had some issues? Beethoven didn't get it all right. If I walked through the history of Beethoven, you would see struggle and difficulty, probably some bad choices. But you know what you don't do with Beethoven? You don't throw out classical music. Leaders fail, but we need to discuss what we do when that happens. Number one, do you love Jesus? That's the first question. You have to answer that one today. And and you will. Uh, and you might as you leave the room and go back to your car and go to lunch, but that question's gonna sit. Do you love all in? Jesus, and There might be somebody in the room right now that goes, I'm not sure that that, that that describes my relationship with him. I like him. I'm checking this thing out. I don't know that I've ever crossed over from a mental understanding to complete faith and surrender in control of my life to Jesus as Lord. I've never pushed the chips all the way in. Today can be that day, friend. He loves you. I came here to tell you this and invite you to make that decision today. Some of you in the room, you say, I do, I love him. But I'm going to be real honest with you. I have had some hurt in my life because of leaders that didn't, or at least displayed that they didn't. They were living for themselves and not for Jesus. They weren't following him. I was looking at them, and they let me down, and it's impacted my faith. Can I just invite you to maybe spend some time today and ask God for help with all the emotions that come from that? for you to wrestle with how to forgive that person? See, that's gonna be really, really hard, I know. I don't think I can do that, you're right. That's why you need to ask the Holy Spirit to help you in this moment, because it's a burden for you. Why would you let their mistake continue to burden your discipleship and your walk with Jesus? There needs to come a moment where you just go, man, he's not perfect, she's not perfect, I'm not either, you are. I'm going to take my eyes off of that and put my eyes on you. I will look to the hills from where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. And maybe you just need a moment to go, God, help me to get my eyes from here. And and would you just be the lifter of my head and just help me look at you? If I fix my eyes on you, maybe I can take some steps forward instead of sitting here in neutral for years now. Or one more. He asked Peter three questions. I'm going to ask you three. First one, do you love Jesus? Do you need to push your chips in and come give your life to him be saved today? Secondly, do you have some church hurt that you just need to give to him? Let him lift your head up and look at Jesus. Thirdly, I love this man and his wife. Pastor here in this church and their team. He needs your prayer. The enemy is a punk and he's very good at what he does all of us, everybody in this room are a bad day away, a bad choice away, if left unchecked. I'm grateful to be part of the team that checks and comes and says, you need some rest, okay? He needs your prayers. So just a moment, um, the worship team's gonna come up and uh, play some things. This altar is gonna be open for you. I'm gonna be right here on this front row If that first question, do you love Jesus, has met your heart right now, and the Holy Spirit is saying, he's talking to you, that's you, not the person next, not somebody else, you. I mean, i will be right here. I would love nothing more than to talk with you more about how to surrender your life to Jesus today. Maybe you just need to come and pray because you need God to lift your head. Church hurt hurts, and you're ready to move beyond, fix your eyes on Jesus, and move forward in your faith. I'm going to ask Blake and Kelsey to come here. Maybe we can get, um, just turn two chairs around. Um, And anybody that wants to come and gather around them and pray for them, I want to invite you to do that because they need it. So I'm going to pray and then however God is saying you should do that, whatever, whatever that is, just be obedient and move as God leads you. Let me pray for you. God, right now in this moment, Help us to have the freedom to move, to be obedient to what you've laid on our hearts. You're tapping us on the shoulder, you're nudging at the heart even now. Holy Spirit, you are helping. You are the capital H helper, and right now you're helping us to move. God, I pray for the one in this room that needs to say, Yes, I love, not like, not dating anymore. Amen. I want to give it all to Jesus good, bad, ugly, past, present, future. I need to be forgiven and I need them to lead me. Pray God they'd come. There's a lot in this room that are hurting because of a leader. Still, recently, publicly, nationally, some leader and documentaries made and God, it's a mess. And they're struggling, but God, not today. They're not gonna allow the enemy one more minute of victory in that area. They're gonna look to Jesus. I love Jesus, I follow Jesus. Others in this room need to just come and pray for their pastor and his wife and their family. It's not easy, this calling to full-time ministry. But we lift up our pastor to you. Give him strength. Pray out this in Jesus' name, amen.